All right. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Uh, like I told you in the email, I have watched your videos for quite a while now. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, I absolutely loved your, all of your communist debates. In fact, I, it was maybe a year and a half ago or so. I noticed that I maxed out all your videos. I had seen them all and I'm like, I want more stuff. So I'm actually right now going through a phase, I suppose, where I can't get enough of debates with communists uh, myself. And it can be fun. And also, as I'm sure you know, incredibly frustrating. Uh, the gains are few and far between. But anyways, I've been trying to get one to debate. And uh, they're mostly cowards. I haven't been able to get any of them. Yeah, they're hard to track down. I've got one in a month's time. I've, I've managed to um, secure a, a communist in the UK called Muke who runs the channel um, Zerksuri. I don't know how to pronounce that. He's, he's pretty well known in Lefty Poll. So I'm looking forward to that. If you like debates with communists, you're going to like that. All right. Yeah, that sounds great. Well, anyways, the my reason for wanting to do this was um, I just watched the Jewish Jewish question, and I watched it because... Before that, I watched your update video, your 10K subs and update, and you you were talking about maybe moving to the desert uh, and you know really going hardcore. And I could tell you're extremely passionate about these things. And I said, okay, you know, I've been wanting to watch this for a while. It's two hours. Let's do it. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> Very well done. Uh, there were some some things that were great and resonated with me. Other things, I have some concern about and that's why I wanted to have this call and just hear it from you. Uh, I know there's this growing anarcho-fascist movement if you want to call it that and uh, you also had that fascism is a necessary and moral response to communism so I just wanted to talk about that as well as collectivism and uh, the Jewish question in general things like that. Ah, uh, all the things like yeah sure that's all um, on, that's all edgy topics for me yeah Sure. And as you can imagine, you know, a, a classic ANCAP myself, somewhat taken back by the new theme, if you will, from people like you, Christopher Cantwell, you know, it's kind of a change of pace, as mm. I'm sure you are aware. Yeah, uh, yeah, notice that too. Select your program. Dialogue. Program initiated. Approach the threshold. Engage rationality. Open your mind. Godspeed. everybody welcome again to another episode of flagship freedom today we have a very special guest adrian from love life and anarchy unfortunately our dear co-host mike could not be with us today he is in paris enjoying the riots uh, he told me he saw a brigade of communists walking down the street with a uh, police escort so all lovely things going on in europe right now and that will sort of be the focus of our conversation today is uh, the perhaps growing problem with communism, uh, multiculturalism, clash of civilizations type stuff. And what I have noticed to be uh, fascism within the anarchy movement, and that kind of sounds like an oxymoron to me, and that's why I wanted to, to speak with uh, one of the, I would say, leading figures in that movement, Adrian here, who has been putting out a lot of new and interesting content on the subject, things that, uh, to be frank, make me uh, raise my eyebrows just a little bit. Uh, if you've been following the movement, the the likes of Christopher Cantwell and others, they've sort of gone this, um, what's the word I would use? Uh, fascist, uh, openly fascist is, is what I've uh, been able to... That, that's assertive? Just, assertive. Assertive, sure. Well... In any case, I wanted to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And um, so first, let's let's introduce the viewers to your video project called The Jewish Question. And um, basically, th this is a, a two-hour-plus presentation, very well done, that Adrian's put together to address the age-old question, 
what is it with uh, Jews worldwide? And as if you've been at all following the topic, it, they have a long, uh, convoluted and controversial history. And there's a lot of conspiracy theories. Uh, do Jews control the world? Uh, why are they concentrated in certain sectors of society? Why do they make up a disproportionate percentage of uh, the upper echelons of society? So, Adrian, why don't you, in a nutshell, explain the purpose and perhaps conclusion of your presentation, uh, The Jewish Question? The Jewish question I put in the description is what I see is just an objective view on European history and from a Jewish perspective. So the roles the Jews had in Europe, as well as the roles Europe had on the Jewish people. That's it in a nutshell. Now, the conclusions for that is two conclusions, that the state caused a lot of problems in Europe in terms of Soviet Russia as well as Nazi Germany, and also that tribalism, the uh, sense of preferencing your own culture or your own ethnicity above others is important and prevalent in multicultural societies as well. So now I, I'm, my mind is going in a million different directions. Uh, I, I really sort of recoil from the use of collective terms like Jew, uh, as much as I sort of don't like the, the term white or, you know, I don't like to generalize based on race because I believe it's, it's a very poor correlation between beliefs. Like to me, what matters is your beliefs and your actions. And just as much as I hate it when social justice warriors will accuse people based on their whiteness, or they'll, they'll make vast generalizations on, uh, guilt based on race. I don't appreciate that because of course I don't associate with anybody other than myself. And of course, we can't choose our race. So in your documentary, you sort of went back and forth. And this is a question I wanted to ask you. You you noted that there's an extremely diverse spectrum of opinion within the Jewish community, ranging all the way from, you know, full communism, mm. uh, all the way to Ayn Rand objectivism, even to uh, some of the founders of anarcho-capitalism. So clearly an extremely yeah, it doesn't get much more uh, opinionated, not opinionated, but diverse in opinion than that. But then towards the end of your documentary, you one thing I noticed in particular, you you called communism a Jewish philosophy or a Jewish idea. Is that accurate? I believe and, so. And when I, when I heard that, I was kind of confused because, I mean, maybe there's a trend, but clearly not all Jewish people believe in that by a long shot. And... It, of course, as you know, there's no connection between your religion or your racial heritage, your DNA, and your beliefs. Now, maybe you disagree with that, but I struggle with the sort of collectivist language. And I wanted you to explain, you know, what am I missing? I think, because I did as well, I had a big, I had a, when I was working on the Jewish question, I had a big struggle um, connecting that as well, because I'm a staunch individualist and the Ayn Rand, and, and I still am. I still believe everyone should be measured based on their individual behavior and beliefs. Um, and I still do that because it's it's mostly white people that are pushing the communism now. Like most of the communists on YouTube are from Europe and, and they're white. I take a position from the 17th, 18th, 19th century. It's mostly pushed by Jews as a response to the pogroms in Europe. So if they could achieve communism, global communism as they go, they'd all be seen as not as a class or a race, but as the workers' solidarity movement. Now, I don't believe that's the case anymore, but I still believe that communism has its roots in dealing with pogroms in Europe. Does that answer your question? Uh, it, in a sort of roundabout way, I, I suppose. Maybe what uh, my next question will help as well. Um, towards the end, and this is sure to uh, divide the audience, uh, you also like the the ending as you you were wrapping up a conclusion, uh, you know, your evaluation of world events leading up to and beyond World War Two, you uh, you espoused the non-aggression principle, voluntarism, anarcho-capitalism as the antidote. You said if we would have respected the non-aggression principle, none of this would have happened. Mm. We'd probably be in space by now. Mm. And I was practically cheering at that point. I said I was 
just thinking like, yes, this is the best way to compartmentalize and understand and view world events is through the non-aggression principle and a rational philosophy. Because throughout the presentation, it, you almost get overwhelmed with just the the freak show of violence and clashing ideologies and war. It, it, you feel like there's no hope uh, in sight. But finally, you, you end with a principled philosophical approach. But then after that, you go on to say things like... Uh, the video ends with white pride worldwide and fascism is the answer. And those, I feel like I sort of went off the rails at that point. And, you know, because again, racial collectivism as well as fascism, of course, to me seems antithetical to the individualist uh, anarcho-capitalist viewpoint. So I don't know, you could touch on either one of those, but I feel like I I need help uh, squaring that circle, so to speak, because it doesn't mesh in my mind. Well, well, you're right. Anarcho-capitalism will solve most of the world's problems, I feel. But the, again, in the, in the ending there, I made it clear that there's people out there who just won't, are not interested in a non-aggression principle and upholding private property rights. If you try telling the kids in Paris, where your friend is at the moment, who are throwing Molotov cocktails, to respect capitalism and private property rights, what do you think they'll say? Of course they won't. Well, we have to deal with that before... Because I don't, France doesn't look too good at the moment. If, if, this, if the communist leftist prime minister or president wins, uh, I don't see how France can recover. Now, I don't mind putting an iron fist to that to stabilize the country in order to get to a more freer libertarian society in a generation or two generations years time. But if we're democratically replaced by other races or cultures who just don't under, even understand these concepts, it's not, it's not going to happen anywhere. So, okay. In, in other words, you're sort of viewing this as a uh, fascism, as a short-term solution, a departure from principles to deal with an emergency situation. Is that Yes, it's, accurate? Always, it's always been like that, yes. So what is your definition of fascism, by the way? Because, or what is the proper definition? You, the term is very loosely thrown around nowadays. Yeah, well, it used to mean... Uh, the Nazi, it used to be attributed to Nazi Germany's policy of just having like a, I think it's just like one leader, totalitarian, not not big fan of democracy, but now it's become a t- reactionary term to describe right-wing authority. I think they're both applicable in these situations. Okay, so here's where I think I diverge, is I believe the non-aggression principle is completely sufficient to deal with these sorts of problems. In other words, you don't have to murder people. I know you're a big advocate of this helicopter rhetoric, and for those who don't know, the idea is throwing people out of helicopter, communists, out of helicopters, killing them. Uh, and Not necessarily, just removing them from society or removing their power from society. Okay, now would this be people who have actually physically gone out and destroyed property and violated others' rights, or just people who espouse the ideas? Uh, I'm not sure yet. It depends on the environment and the culture, but there just there can't be any tolerance to that kind of behavior. It wouldn't be up to me. Okay. Because back to what I was saying about the non-aggression principle, uh, of course it's not pacifism. You're allowed to defend your private property. Uh, it's private property and the non-aggression principle, but if somebody's using force against you or your stuff, you're allowed to stop them. So fascism, in my mind, it necessarily implies a government. And there are several reasons why I I don't like the government solution. Uh, one of them being that it, it's extremely confusing to people outside of our movement when they hear that you are an anarchist, but you're for fascism. Like to them, these ideas are hard enough to understand. Like it took me years to get here. And and that's dealing with a pure philosophy. But to, to watch and hear that, like we've got this very um, tight alliance. I, I don't want to say alliance, but a lot of people are allying themselves with the likes of Richard Spencer and neo-Nazis, et cetera. Like, that doesn't look good to people outside of the movement philosophically. I don't think it's, it's helping us. It, it may be, like you said, a short-term solution, but I view... Uh, these short-term statist solutions to be actually maybe one step forward and two steps back. I'm for the long-term philosophical solution. And to get there, we need 
people to accept and understand the philosophy. And I, I feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice when we align ourselves with principles and actions that don't jive with the core philosophy. Does that make sense? It does, but we're not operating from an unlimited time frame. Like, you've noticed that Stefan Molyneux has also made a hard shift as well. Because his stance, Absolutely. His stance has always been this is a, a generational progress. And I felt that too. Like, maybe five or six generations, we might get there. But in five or six generations, I don't think, like, white people will have any say in Europe or Western societies if the rate we're going. So we need to, if we're going to get to Ankapistan, we're going to have to make some pretty hard decisions within this generation. Hmm. So it is comforting in the, in the sense that, ideally speaking, you are for a voluntary society, strictly individualist, race doesn't matter, uh, we judge people on their actions and, and secondarily on their beliefs. But, you know, what am I getting at here? Is that correct? Is that a correct evaluation? No, I, I'd say I, my prime position is a multicultural and cap society. I'd rather live in a multicultural society for sure, but uh, it doesn't look like other races are tolerant to whites. So what, what's the conclusion to that? You, you, you prefer multiculturalism, although people don't like whites, so, so then what? So then we, uh, I'll, be, I'll be happy just for a city-state or a nation-state that are anarcho-capitalists, but the way it's going now, only white people are interested in anarcho-capitalism or the ideas of liberty. So if, if, you were, if we were to get, if we were lucky enough to get to the point where we had our own island or nation or whatever you want to call it, closed off private property, would you be open to, I, w I would assume you'd be open to people of any race joining as long as they are uh, of the same mindset and ideology. Yeah, Is that yes. correct? Yes, absolutely. It won't be okay. just a white country, no. Okay, that's helpful because when I hear things like white pride and uh, a white society, I, I th imagine uh, excluding people based on their race. And to me, that, that makes no sense. And it's also objectively immoral to initiate force against someone or d prevent them from owning private property in an area just because of their race. I mean, the, the race doesn't factor into the non-aggression principle. We're all humans, right? So that's that's been my struggle with the likes of Christopher Cantwell and you is that I've seen this this huge shift in rhetoric and I can understand if it's a short-term solution. I may disagree with the um, the efficacy, the, the effectiveness of going this route, but it is comforting to know that you're not, you know, dyed in the wool, white supremacist, racist status. No, well, two things. I don't see this as a globalist movement. I don't see anarcho-capitalism as a globalist movement, and I don't see a white ethno-state as a globalist movement. We just want a piece of territory in the world. Now, I'd rather join a multicultural ANCAP society than a, a white ethno-state society. But I think I, I'd, I'd advocate for both. So people can have a choice of living in a white ethno-state that bars people of color from there. But I also support an anarcho-capitalism city-state or nation-state that accepts everyone who attributes private property rights. Now, the way the world's work looking at the moment, it looks like a white ethno-state has more of an energy and movement and passion behind it than anarcho-capitalism. And we, if we can like live there and push for anarcho-capitalism, we could also create a, we could almost create a separate state from that, or we can create a anarcho-capitalism state within that white society. Hmm. I see. And again, just to be clear to the listeners, the only reason you are we're talking about race and particularly whiteness is because of the the group trend associated with race with respect to ideas. It's not that you care about uh you know your skin color or even necessarily your iq it's that you're talking about the what happens to be an association so say for example the tables were turned and it were black people africans who were more uh anarcho-capitalist or more liberty-minded in general then you would be for the a black anarcho-capitalist state so it has nothing to do with white supremacy per se no. is that 
No, I support every ethnic group having like having a tribalist mindset if it if they need to do that. I see this because I didn't feel this way two years ago or one year ago. It's because I'm seeing what's happening in Europe and these open border policies that go against what people want. And so, and, and there's also a lot of communist rhetoric out there that goes against whiteness. And that's this is almost a reaction to all this narrative. Yeah, that's what I'm gathering is that this is basically blowback. It's a reaction, but the the problem I'm seeing is that people on your channel, for example, someone just put a swastika in the comment section, and it got like it was one of the most liked comments. And uh, <laughs> to me, that's kind of heartbreaking because we are making this unholy alliance with people who, in the grand scheme of things, uh, are fucking idiots. I like like Richard Spencer. I. I don't know if you're a fan of the guy, but he just made a a tweet sympathetic to Karl Marx. Like these people are not. Uh, maybe you could call them fair weather friends, like the enemy of my enemy, so to speak. Right? These people are like the Nazis, the neo Nazis. They're socialists, and we as anarcho capitalists can't stand socialism. It's it's on the spectrum towards communism, and it's very close. So I worry about this alliance and that well, you know one day we're going to have to sever that for sure oh you i i see i've noticed that in your talk to me you're having a, a disdain to nazism like that symbol the swastika you have a reaction to that is that right a negative reaction well, yeah, yeah of course and being somebody who's uh grown up under the the western version of history you can understand why now i know that you dispute the uh, validity of the claims of, say, the genocide. Um, well, no, excuse me, the Holocaust. But uh, why don't you touch on that? So, so you're alluding to the fact or the idea that Nazism wasn't quite so bad? I think, yeah, I think they're over-exaggerating because there was an actual government denazification pro program which job was to create these emotional responses where everything Nazi-related is you almost have a, a negative emotional reaction to that. And I, and, I, and I see that as very particular on done on purpose. So when you see neo-Nazis and Schwarzeggers, I don't think it, it's good. I think it's good that people are, are normalizing that, or trying to normalize those imagery and the branding because uh, I don't consider National Socialism to be like the abhorrently the most evil thing in Europe. I, like I classify Soviets, Mao's... Um, Mao, Spanish, like the CNT in Spanish, to be much, much worse than what Hitler ever did. And because people don't associate that is why I think there's also a neo-reaction, a neo-Nazi reaction, trying to normalize the branding. Because if you actually go through, and if you actually just watch my video, I think you find that Germany, the idea of pan-German um, ideas is, is not that evil. Well, yeah, comparatively speaking, for sure, I will, I agree with you that, that communism is far worse, has killed many, many more people, and it's definitely gotten uh, a pass somehow. You know, it's okay to wear the hammer and sickle, but to me, that's more damaging than Nazism. But I still hate both of them because they're, they're one is absolute horseshit, and one is, uh, you know, not quite as bad, but still terrible in the sense that. Uh, it advocates deporting people of different races based on their race and not based on their actions or their beliefs. It advocates socialism, uh, government takeover of industry. Like you described, uh, the implementation of Nazi economic policies was an absolute disaster, right? Like you said, Hitler's policies rivaled Bernie Sanders, and I fucking hate Bernie Sanders. I can't stand the guy. So to me, they're they're all <laughs> not good, and and that's why. You know, one may be worse than the other, but I still try to distance myself from those mindsets and those ideologies and people who, like, they're not friends of liberty, is what I'm getting at. I uh, well, think, Mike, I think um, when I did the Jewish question, I came to understand that the reason why Nazi Germany embraced socialism was to, because he had the, he wasn't an economist, he had the idea of using the state to promote the well-being of its own people, similar to what other li liberal democracies do, would work. And I think it did work until, if, and if, until it wouldn't, until they run out of people's money, basically. 
but also it was done to promote the economy to military channels that Hitler wanted because what the National Socialists want to do was fight against the Treaty of Versailles. And in order to do that, you need to build a military that can um, face off to France and England because France and England was not allowing Germany to do what it wanted to do. And if, if, it, if it ran a free market economic policy, the Treaty of Versailles would take a lot of that money and it also would put Nazi Germany in a subversive, sub, submissive place to those countries. So it needed to adopt socialism and central command economy to build these weapons of war to undo the Treaty of Versailles. Hmm. Right. So again, a, a short term quick fix type thing, which to me, it's just it makes me cringe because it's like these these programs rarely, if ever, get rolled back. Right. That's that's the eternal mantra is that, yeah, you know, we hate Trump, we hate Hillary, but we got to vote. We got to do something in the moment. And then next week, next month, next year, these people disappear. And I don't know. I'm I'm really I struggle with the short term solutions. Uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we have to sacrifice principle in the moment. But I feel that if our battle is primarily ideological, a sacrifice of principles is really shooting yourself in the foot. You, you see what I mean? I mean, well, I'll put this way: if you could snap your fingers and just eliminate all forms of government and live in Afghanistan now, would you do it? No, actually. Uh, because people don't get the idea. It would just a bunch of states would arise again because people don't understand non-aggression or voluntarism. Yes, it seems like people want a state. Absolutely. Okay, and well, until that mindset changes, until that paradigm stage changes, I don't mind having a state if if it, to serve the principles that we expel. So a state to keep individual freedoms, the state that shifts the economy to the to people in people's hands and have like a minica state almost would that be acceptable for you well it'd certainly be preferable right uh yeah it <laughs> i could be accused of being a purist that's for sure um so in your view i know you said it in the jewish question um you believe that that nazi germany and hitler was probably one of the more reasonable people in World War II. Is that correct? It, considering the circumstances and the enemies he was facing. Yeah, he seemed pretty reasonable up until World War II. But after World War II, I'm not really sure what he's, he's like. like uh, it's hard to find out because everyone likes to pull out of his character and he, he, then that he, he like exterminated six million Jews. But I think, uh, like watching, there's a movie called, I forget, but... Th the meme about Hitler being in his bunker and he's upset that he lost the war and he's shouting and stuff. That movie was historically accurate. And from what you see of Hitler, he, he generally was a patriot. He cared about his people. He, get, he cared about his Germany, uh, cared about Germany. And he, he didn't want Bolshevism or Jewish influence to subverting the German culture and the German nation. Now, if we And can, for those who don't, I'm sorry, for those who don't know, Bolshevism is the communist revolution. Right, and yeah. when you say Jewish, you're Jewish not because of the race, but because of its association with communism. Correct. correct? He's seeing those subversive elements in his own country, stirring it to another, like what we're seeing in Western, like these anti-white and pro-communist narratives are coming from Jewish people and Jewish media agencies. Now, I don't see that as a a coincidence, as other people would say. Now, what I liked about Hitler having a Führer is, you know, in Germany, everything in Germany came from him. It was his orders. So if he wanted to assassinate him or do a revolution, which a lot of Germans did want to do at the end of the war, you, knew, you know to target him. But when you're dealing with Western countries like America, you don't know who's really in charge. So is Trump in charge or is the deep state in charge? Is his attacks on Syria, did that come from him or did it come from other people? Right, right. Who knows? So the U.S. and the allies in fighting Nazi Germany, were they doing the wrong thing? Were they in the wrong? I would, Where do you put... I would prefer them allying with Germany and fighting against Bush, fighting against um, Soviet expansionism. Hmm. But instead, we did the opposite. We, we allied with 
the Soviet Union and and fought Germany and Japan. But, <laughs> but what I'm sort of realizing is that it's just a massive cluster. It and, is. you know, you, you have a spectrum of like absolutely abhorrent, crazy ideologies all vying for power and all trying to expand. And, you know, it's not a black and white thing, much like the conflicts in the Middle East. Uh, it's an absolute nightmare. And you've got a spectrum of evil and horrible, terrible ideas. And uh, there's really oftentimes no clean cut good solution. Well, yeah. Well, my solution to that is anarcho-capitalism, individual rights, almost private property borders, you, you know, race becomes irrelevant. Uh, people's behaviors is what people will see and the respect for private property rights, like what I said in the Jewish question. But as you understand, people don't accept that. Communists won't accept that. Muslims won't necessarily accept that. And so we have to adopt a more tribalist aspect until more people understand. So why couldn't Hitler at the time, instead of referring constantly to uh, Judaism, or I, that implies the religion, but let's say Jewishness, because that includes the racial heritage, why didn't he just, uh, if it was because of its link to communism, why didn't he just say communism is the enemy? And whether you're Jewish or black or white, it doesn't matter. And basically cut to the chase is what I'm saying. Why put this indirect link there? If it's just, if that's all it is, it's a, you know, a trend. Because I think for two reasons. First of all, Jews were behind communism. Lenin, Trotsky, Rosa Luxemburg, all the um, people I say in my video, they were all Jews. And secondly, True. Hitler loved German. There was a very big pan-Germanic movement in Germany. They wanted Austria to unify. They wanted regions of just German-speaking people had an idea of wanting to unify. Uh, that was pan-Germanism. Hitler and the National Socialist Party jumped on that popular passion and he used that in his narrative. So he could do two things in his, in his speeches and his rise to power. By blaming Jews, he, um, he blamed communism. And by blaming Jews, it, it unified the tribalism of the German people. Hmm. Now, he didn't like hate all Jews, but Jews who were supportive of Germany were accepted, but they had some rights. Like, like there's a little like during World War Two, just before he was hard to, to Poland Jews and people who were not German Jews, but he was more favorable to to Jews who were German. Okay, be and that is interesting because uh, I was under the impression that it was the being a Jew was the be all end all worst thing you could be in Germany or in Europe at the time. And I, that's basically everybody's perception of Nazism now. Like neo-Nazis, uh, all they talk about is race and they, they don't know shit about economics. Yes. Uh, and that, that would explain their socialism, which again is very close to communism. And if communism was the primary enemy and the motivation for Nazism, then to associate it with race instead, I think is a big mistake because I mean, look, at, at now, it's become a fixation and obsession on something which is only very loosely correlated with the true enemy, which is the ideology of communism, right? Yes, yes. That, that, that's my problem, is, is that it's when you associate or when you focus on for race, for example, something that is very, it may have a correlation, but it's a loose correlation at that. People associate that movement with racism. And, and race supremacy. And to me that you completely lose credibility at that point because you and I both know racism is a uh, irrational ideology because it, it doesn't, the, the only valid evaluation of people that makes sense is based on individual merit, uh, intelligence, beliefs, and actions. Like I have, uh, my employee is Jewish and he's, although he's atheist, He's a brilliant guy, way smarter than me. My wife is not white. Again, brilliant engineer, smarter than me. So I I don't care about race. There may be a connection. And don't get me wrong. Like the social justice warrior movement in the U.S., the Black Lives Matter, I can't stand that. It's a poison. And they are extremely anti-white. So I can understand this backlash, this white pride movement. Although I, I want to cut to the chase and, and say like, look, 
your fixation and your hatred of whites is completely bass backwards and wrong and immoral, but I'm not going to respond with the exact same kind of uh, bigotry towards race. Well, I don't think I am a bigot towards race. I see race as like a, a Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing where you start off with like Jews have like plus five intellect and uh, maybe uh, blacks have plus five in athleticism while whites might I don't know, be the all-rounder. But I don't discriminate based on that. It, it explains trends in economics and pop markets. Like it explains why the NBA is dominated by black people and track and field Olympiads are mostly dominated by black people while intellectual and mass are dominated by Asians and Jews while as white people are just like the all-rounded kind of, I don't know. <laughs> but again, a lot of this stuff comes from the cultural narrative that about white privilege and just this blatant attacks on whites and white European almost, to, it's like it, this is what's enabling these open borders policy. And so a lot of neo Nazis have been talking about race suddenly become more interesting and valid during these times because a lot of, again, a lot of these pe people that spew these anti-whiteness come from communists and Jews and, and they're almost using this to attack us and take our money and take our lands. Hmm. Okay, I, I think I understand better now the, the motivation. Um, and I hopefully you can understand my sort of confusion when I saw you ending the video with uh, white pride worldwide. Like to me, that is I wouldn't choose that route personally because I believe it's a distraction. And like if you can throw me uh, for a loop, just imagine people who aren't you know well adapted to the philosophy. But anyways, I'm not going to accuse you of you know, being a white supremacist, because I know you're not. You are an individualist, anarcho-capitalist. That's what matters at the end of the day. So we can move on from that now. I, I think at this point, it's just sort of a difference in tactics or preference. But ultimately, you know, we're, you and I are aiming for a voluntary individualist society, which is what matters. So on that note, uh, I wonder if we could speak about communism a little bit. And you, you have a long track record of debating communists. And I believe you you really honestly and openly consider uh, the ideology that you're debating. Is that right? Like you, you tested the ideas and you attacked it logically because you found it wasn't consistent. Absolutely, yes. That's how it came to anarcho-capitalism. Where were you to begin with? Were you more on the left, on the right? I define myself apolitical. I, I, just, I, just, I generally believe that uh, the freer market produces more, it could, uh, is better for society, but not. I didn't understand why. Just because my, my dad was a, didn't like working and it was a, is a welfare handout whore kind of guy. And just from that, it's, it seems like, why are the strains paying for this deadbeat? And I found out. <laughs> so I found out, like, uh, well, I, I generally prefer free economics from that. Um, but I was on the left on social issues, so um, I don't know what that means. In Australia, multiculturalism is, is good. Being a racist was bad. Uh, believe in the state, believe in democracy, that kind of thing. Hmm. Now, I'm sure you have shared the same frustration as I in debating with communists that clearly they're not operating with a full deck. Like, you think you'll pin them down logically and on principle, and they'll just manage. To, you you can't they ooze get in your hands like they slip through your fingers. Only to collectivize, right? Right, and it's got me wondering. Like, I was baffled by this for the longest time. It's like I presented you with arguments. I even made you contradict your own beliefs to support communism or socialism. But they still, it just's not clicking. They don't get it. And I know your uh, theory is that this is actually rooted in. Uh, perhaps genetics and brain uh, physiology, biology, and not just a um, not just like misinformation or propaganda. So could you speak to that a little bit? Uh, yes, I, I, I seriously think there's there's a gene attributed to Marxism, and their brains have evolved differently. Hitler had the theory that this was attributed to being a Jew, a Jewishness, which correlates with the 
racial behavior because they, they have to almost in, in nation nationalistic countries they have to lay low and not overtly be a Jew otherwise they'll be targeted and prosecuted like they have been it's, it's a real thing so they've involved evolved to do that while as I'd see well as Francesco Franco believed that the people who supported the Republic had a biological disorder now from what I understand it from the versus um, K selection theory Modern technologies has, have, have brain scanned different people with different political ide ideas and they found that their brains are, are, are biologically different. So we're not just speaking to people who have different ideas, we, we're speaking to almost a, people who make up of a different biological makeup. Mm. In your discussions, I'm sure and people, a lot of people are, like us feel that when we're talking to these people. I I've realized that they must have a different set of priorities. Like you and I, we believe in adherence to principles and objective truths. But these people, I think they're that is, could be the source of a lot of disagreements. Is, is people assume the other party is interested in the same thing they are, but they are primarily. I think their priority is equality of outcome, for example, or much more rooted in emotion. So that's why you know, you're incredulous. You're like, I just proved you wrong a hundred different ways, but you still think you're right. Mm. And they truly believe they're right. So I think an explanation is that we have a different set of priorities and that may or may not be rooted in biology. Now, I have my doubts to, towards that theory because I've seen uh, examples of people go uh, switch, switch their ideas, go from anarcho-communist to anarcho-capitalist. I've had my own personal experience of a very left-leaning friend who I honestly had written off. And I thought, you know what? It was the same exact situation. We had many debates. I, present, I presented the full barrage of arguments and they just bounced off of his brain. But mm -hmm. then eventually, somehow on his own, he made the switch. And I thought, I mean, <laughs> I, I did think he, he had some sort of predisposition but then that seems to count contradict that argument that he is able to now completely change his mind yeah I, like even talking to if you compare our conversations and conversations i've had with anarcho-capitalists or people who can think you find the conversations are completely different to the conversations i have with communists and i, I mean i believe it's because the the brains like I, I believe your brain is connected different to other people's brains the communist brains now your friend there, I think, I think there's there's a chance for most people, but some people there's just no hope, and I think it does <laughs> come down to a specific emotions, a switch, almost like Stefan Molyneux when he talks to people, he he goes to people's childhood and find out an emotion, almost an emotional barrier, to why these people hold these ideas, and once people get over that emotional and make that flip, that little paradigm change. It's almost like everything comes in in an avalanche and they just almost change who they are and behaviors once they get over that emotional hurdle. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And there may be people who are on the edge, so to speak, who are sort of salvageable and other people who are just utterly hopeless. Yes, like centralists. Yeah, and it's it's disheartening. I, you know, I used to as I'm sure you did, and I know Stefan Molyneux did, we, we lived in this worldview that everybody is, uh, has a capacity for uh, accurate, consistent, objective thought, and everybody is in complete, um, what's the opposite of determinism? Everybody is in, in complete control of their actions and of their path in life. But now it, it's seems that there's a lot more deterministic factors at play that unfortunately uh, explain a lot of our differences as humans. And to me, that's tragic because it leads to uh, conflict and war where lots of good, well-intentioned people die due to what could be called irreconcilable differences. And to me, that's that's terrible, right? Yes. And I, I see anarcho-capitalism as the best way of preventing that. Because if everyone's denied of that power, then these these conflicts will be minimized, but because we live in a hyper hyper democracy where if you just land in a country you're suddenly American or Australian, even though you don't understand these ideas or hold different religions and culture beliefs, and you have a, a vote in the, one of the most destructive forces in in man government, 
then these conflicts will just continue to happen and happen. Now, I believe we can pretty much just avoid all that if we people adopted anarcho-capitalism. But the second best thing to that is becoming tribal and uh, having the power of the state in the hands of people who are competent, who put their country first, not necessarily multiculturalism or globalism or Israel first, but their own people, like what socialism is supposed to be in, in Germany, in Nazi Germany, because that's what they believed in. Now, mm. again, we don't have a lot of time, so we have to make some pretty hard decisions here and now. And if we have to make some examples of people who are pushing communism and uh, bring them a little discomfort, I think that will solve a lot of problems. I see, I see. Well, I certainly am glad to have clarified uh, some of our differences that I was really worried about, to be totally honest. Like I How do you had, feel about it now? How do you feel about it now after our conversation? A lot better. Uh, now, I, I still, I don't think I'm on board with the tactical approach. Now, I don't expect, you know, everybody has a different view of the best way to achieve liberty. I personally am very much in favor of the strict philosophical argumentative approach. Like I, we have uh, our website, flagshipfreedom.com. I'm constantly adding articles, proofs for things like, is profit exploitation? No. And here's the objective truth-based reasons why. Is uh, private property a legitimate concept? Yes, because, it, you know, using a scientific approach. That's yes. what I'm all about. Yeah. I think everything else is a distraction. Now, I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand your approach. Uh, some of it, like like Christopher Cantwell, for example, he uses the word nigger, uh, kike, and all this hyper-offensive stuff that I believe really turns a lot of people away. I understand that you, uh, you and him share some uh, similarities in the sense that you're you're vying for a short-term solution. Uh, so, I to to answer your question, I feel better knowing the the nature of your character is that you still support individualism. You're not a racial supremacist. You recognize that there are differences within race that uh, do help explain some of these conflicts. But ultimately, you are an individualist, anarcho-capitalist, who is not in favor of any race in particular. You support ideas. So I do really appreciate that. And I'm glad we had this conversation because, like I said, I admired you for a long time. Your videos were inspiring. I, I couldn't get enough of these debates with the communists. Uh, and, but then you know, it, we had a shift in, in politics that has created quite a divide in the liberty movement. I think we have. I think we're aligned pretty, uh, like even, but what I want to do is attract people like you, people who can think and like think about these ideas. I, I, I think what, pe think people treat neo-Nazism or fascism as a, as a bad term still when it really isn't. And I, 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 I understand why you felt conflicted when I ended the Jewish question in the way I did, but it, it had to end that way. There's no, cause it, it came off cause a lot of, it was, it was about Hitler, and a lot of um, videos on Hitler has that kind of approach that to be proud in who you are and um, where you've come from and your culture. And, and I wanted to bring that in, but I also wanted to bring in the point that we're, we're not like going to back down. We're not going to be passive and just let communism or multiculturalism or globalism win. We, we're, we're, like, when pushed to a war, we can fight, and we have a good chance of winning. Hmm. Yeah, I, I certainly don't believe in the pacifist approach. I'm 100% in favor of defensive property in person. But um, if you don't mind me asking, are you where are you in your uh, career pathway? I know you've been at a fork in the road. You're trying to figure out, <laughs> do I have a normal life or do I go hardcore, move out into the wilderness and focus on these videos full time? Are, have you uh, pushed in either direction? Or are you still, you know, looking for support? It absolutely depends on support. So I'm forty based on my mailing list and numbers. If people are willing to pitch in five to ten dollars per month, I'm 40, 30, 40 percent there. Now my goal is hundred percent or two, between one hundred and two hundred over the. Over, I'd like to be over my quota this time next year, and I think that's plenty of time. So we're looking for wilderness. I'm going to be a a, a, 
off the grid kind of guy if this keeps going. All right. Well, I certainly admire your passion. Uh, clearly, uh, your commitment to ideas and to the future of mankind uh, is runs deep within you. I, I really appreciate that. I also share uh, a passion for ideas and for getting mankind on the right track. And we're both pushing in that direction. So that I can certainly get behind. And uh, Adrian, I really appreciate you coming on and giving an honest, uh, frank explanation and, and conversation. Where can our users find you? Um, go to lovelifeanarchy.com or Love Life in Anarchy on YouTube. Where can people find you? Flagship Studios? Flagshipfreedom.com. Flagship Freedom. Okay, great. Flagship Freedom from Dan and Mike there, doing some good work. I've actually listened to, um, that's how I met Philosopher. You did a podcast with her as well. Yeah, the, the most recent one. Uh, both of them, actually. You did two with her. Yeah. yeah it was a lot of fun. Well, and you get to meet like, people like Philosopher, and she's, she's really good as well. She's, made, she's, she's like the voice of reason as well. She's been commenting on my Jewish question saying, Hang on, Adrian. You have to uh, really appeal to individualism. And I go, yeah, you're right. Thanks for bringing <laughs> me back. It's it's easy to get absorbed because there is passion in white nationalism and this movement because it's an international movement, as far as I can see. It's people in Europe and Australia and America are all interested in continuing just just whiteness, whereas anarcho-capitalism is is still very low energy and it only appeals to people who are who who are intellectuals and they're not. <laughs> There's not many people like that online, so it's 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 good to be pulled back into that and um, be part of the peers. So thanks for bringing me back in as well. You're a philosopher. <laughs> You're very welcome. And it it's an interesting time to be alive. You know, where is the world going to be in 10, 15, 20, 30 years? Who knows? But, uh, you know, we're at the forefront of an intellectual revolution, and that, that's not an exaggeration. Mm. So, uh, you know, I do take some pride in that. So, again, Adrian from Love Life, Love, ugh, Love Life and Anarchy, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for your time, and uh, I hope we can connect again in the future. So until next time, Adrian. Thanks, Dan. It was great fun. Hope to speak to you again as well.